we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor, challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. It's a loaded night tonight. So loaded night. I'd like to finish off um, um, part 14. Is it, are we on 14 or 13? No, I know today is, today is part 25. We've been on a series, right? Today is part 25. But in the part 25, we're considering what hallmark? The 14th. The t- okay, which one is it? We're considering the 13th hallmark of the Christ-conscious believer. And that is that the Christ-conscious believer... And this is the third week of this point. We've been on this one point for three weeks. Right? And we've been on the series for about 30 weeks now. Today is part 25. The Christ-conscious believer is given to prayer. The Christ-conscious believer prays just because. Yeah? We don't pray, like I said last week, we don't pray... Because we seek his face. We pray because we see his face. Don't forget that. So Christ did not come to deliver us from prayer. He came to adjust our prayer focus. Do you understand? So we pray because we see his face. We also heard that prayer is not appealing to God's reluctance. Prayer is partnering with his willingness. That's why it's important to remember that you cannot successfully pray in your understanding alone. You cannot. Because your understanding is limited. So Romans says in chapter 8 that we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit helps our infirmities. Infirmities there is a word that is translated sicknesses, but in the context of Romans 8, is referring to our infirmities in the place of prayer. Do you understand? He helps our inability to pray. He helps our prayer deficiency. Are you following me? With groanings that cannot be uttered. And then Jude then comes and says that building up yourselves, and that's the word oikodomo, right? To edify, to build up yourselves in your most holy faith. How? Praying in the spirit. It's all in the context of corporate prayer. And we practice that in this local church where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. That I will pray in the understanding. And I will pray in this. We can't pray in the understanding alone. Even, even worship. You can't sing all through in your understanding. Paul says I will sing in the same chapter. I will sing in my understanding. And I will sing in the spirit. So whenever you, you pray or sing in the understanding. You do that only when it, it needs to benefit the person that is next to you in a corporate gathering of believers. Otherwise, our language is that of the spirit. And so people struggle with praying in the spirit or they feel like they are too sophisticated to pray in the spirit because it doesn't make sense. That's the whole idea. Praying in tongues, glolosalia in the Greek means to babble like a baby that doesn't know what it's saying. But have you seen babies sometimes talking? You don't understand anything they're saying. But you can, you can, be, you can com- become convince yourself that these children know what they're saying. Has it happened to anybody? Or if you watch, uh, what's that movie? Baby Geniuses. Yeah. You see babies having serious 
adult conversation. And that's what the word to speak in tongues means. That's why Paul says that when I speak in tongues, my mind is unfruitful. But my spirit speaketh mysteries. Because you see, the prayer is not anything until you are praying what Jesus is praying concerning you. So the Holy Spirit in the place of prayer by the Spirit links you up to what the Father is receiving as intercession from the Son. Do, do you understand? That's why you pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit to decode and therefore reveal the mind of the Father. So it cannot be overemphasized. We pray. We just pray. You know how that scripture that I showed you that Paul says, in everything by prayer. In everything by prayer. Amen. Everything by prayer. So I just run through this. We'll do one thing and then I'll go into, this is not today's message. Today we are going on to the next one. I'm just trying to recap this prayer one, you know, so we can land it safely and move on. Kungani. <laughs> okay, that was, do you understand? <laughs> Amen. I wrote here, Knowledge and revelation of God's word are unpacked in the place of prayer. They're not received at the place of prayer. You don't receive revelation by praying. I'm trying to round up because I've been on this for three weeks. Yeah. Caleb, do you understand what I said? Pray all you want. No rema will drop. Just before you think, okay, we are praying. You know, you know how, that's why I said we don't pray to seek God's face. We are praying. God will show me his face. If you can't see Jesus, then forget it. He's the face of God. God who caused light to shine in darkness has caused to shine in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Which other face of God do you want to see? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He caused light to shine in darkness has caused to shine in the light in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Who, Hebrews 1, 3, being the brightness of his image and the express image of his person. Which other, what other face of God do you want to see? Jesus is the face of God. Period. Jesus is the explanation of God. So to see his face, check Jesus out. I told you in this house, Jesus is the God that you can do transaction with. Because God in the, in the person of the Father dwells in unapproachable light. That you can't approach. Jesus gives body, fullness bodily to the Father. Do you understand? So Jesus becomes the God that you can approach boldly. So you don't come into revelation by praying. You come into revelation by study. Study by the help of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? That's what Jesus promised. The, the, the Holy Spirit was given primarily to in the place of study reveal truth to you. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And not truth as an abstract, truth as the person, Jesus. He defined truth. He said, I am, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He didn't say I am true. <laughs> Do you understand? He didn't say I am true. He said I am the truth. 
So when he prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the word? Truth. Who is truth? I am. Jesus. Sanctify them by thy truth. Who sanctifies? Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30. He became for us sanctification. So when Jesus said sanctify them by thy truth, who was he referring to? Himself as the sacrifice he was about to go and do on the cross. Yes. He is truth. Yes, so when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit's one ministry is Jesus. For when he comes, he will not speak of himself, Jesus says. He will take of me, of Jesus, and speak to you. And he will reveal the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus, not some abstract. This truth is not facts. Oh, Jesus, and no, Jesus is this. Okay, this is true. That's not what he was referring to. The embodiment of the logos, the embodiment of who God is. That's, that's the context of truth. And it says when he comes, he will take of himself. He will give you what I give to him. He will have nothing to say of, him, of himself. So those of us that have built the Holy Spirit into a different department of God, you know what I mean? There's some things that God the Father cannot do for you. You engage the Holy Ghost. Build a whole ministry around the Holy Spirit. His ministry is Jesus. His ministry is Jesus. What other ministry does he have? Oh, killing your enemies. <laughs> oh, sorry, that one is not Holy Spirit. That one is Holy Ghost. You know, Holy Spirit is the gentle one. You know, emoji, the one when we are worshipping. When we are worshipping. You know, Holy Spirit, we love you. When it's fire time, ghost! Holy God! They never ever shout Holy Spirit fire. And they never ever say, Holy Ghost, we love you. It's always Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Ghost! Kiss somebody. So we now have a ministry surrounding the Holy Spirit. When the ministry of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Nothing else. He's powerless outside the message of the gospel. The Holy Spirit can do nothing. 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 Outside the ministry of the gospel. Which is the revelation of Christ. So we pray all you want. Nothing. You see the Holy Spirit will sit down, sit with you. And unpack Christ from the scriptures. That's how you come into knowledge. That's how you come into epignosis. Do you understand? Now when you have seen what you need to see, it's at the place of prayer that you unpack it into your life. Do you understand? It's one thing to buy some things. another thing to know how to use it. So that's what prayer does. Prayer doesn't reveal Jesus. It unpacks the revelation of Jesus in your life for your personal benefit. So when you start to pray, the truth you have come into the knowledge of becomes active in your life. Prayer tunes your spiritual frequency to what is yours in God through Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. You understand? Let me try and repeat that again. Prayer tunes your spiritual frequency to what? What is yours in God through Christ by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, those of some of you are not old enough. Back in the day, our fathers had a radio tuner. You know, when we see audio system, hi-fi, those days, it's like four feet tall. Tuner, amplifier, vinyl, you know, 
then cassette, stereo, all plugged in together. And then when you found the frequency, you tune to it. There's a fine tuner where you roll it to try and make sure that you are nicely there. And there's how when you get it and your, your sibling comes and just brushes it, you can slap them. Because of how long it took you to get that frequency, fine-tune it. That's what prayer does. Prayer tunes your spiritual frequency to the broadcast spectrum of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So if you are praying to find God, you, you went about it the wrong way. But when you see him by revelation, you plug yourself into it, into its practicality in the place of prayer. That's why sons pray. Does that make sense? Inside, inside, you have, you have seen something. And you, how does this apply to me? How is this practically applicable? Prayer. That's why Jesus prayed. That's why the truth prayed. <laughs> you understand? That's why the life prayed. Make sense? Because Jesus, apart from purpose, didn't like the idea of the cross. He prayed, he said, let this, man, let this cup pass. But where did he say, nevertheless, at their will, in the place of prayer? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was always praying. The tomb of Lazarus. Before he got to the tomb, what did he tell Martha? If you're here, my brother, John 11, my brother will not have died. Jesus said, do you believe that this guy can live again? Hear her with her myopic faith. Eh, on the last day, the last day was standing in front of him. The last day, right in front of you. You are saying, oh, on the last day, I believe. On the last day. He is the last day. He's Alpha Omega. He's not Alpha and. Uh -uh. He's Alpha Omega. Standing in front of you, you are looking for the last day. I am the last day. So some of you that are believing that book of life is a book. Big book. You see that angel. Old angel. Glasses like this. Yeah. What is your name? Those of you that change names, your parents gave you a name, you gave yourself another name. We'll not find you in the book of life on that day. So you can tell us all, your name all you like. Joshua Livingston, Michael Peterson, Comfort Douglas, blah, 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 blah. Your father didn't give you. <laughs> you don't get there, they're looking for your name in the book of life. They call you Yunan, Yunan, Chidex, your name is not there. <laughs> Let me tell you straight you, like Chidex. What's your name, Chidex? What's your surname? No surname, Chidex. You're knowing the book of life. Forget it. So some of you that change your name, you better go. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> because the book of life is not a book. The book of life is a person. And once you are in him, what kind of busybody God is that? Now, now, he writes your name in the book of life. You now sing. He now being big eraser. Heavenly cleaner. Clean it. Then God himself will now come here. Now, now, now. Write it in the book of death. You now say, Father, unknown sin, known sin. Deliberate and indeliberate. Conscious and unconscious. In my deeds, in my thoughts, in my speech. Anyway, please forgive me. Delete my name from that book where you just wrote it. 
Isn't that what I'll be praying before? Write it in this book now. That is this book. God will not say, hey, uh, you have repented. Okay, delete it. What kind of busybody God is that? Spends his whole life just writing, deleting, deleting, writing, delete, write, write, delete, delete, write. I'm a better God than that God. A better God. A better God. Book of life is not a book. It's a person. And when you pray, you release the insight of that person in your life. Basically, you become that person to the measure that you pray. Do you understand? Because he himself prayed. He himself, truth, prayed. So he stands there. This is on the last day. Jesus said, I am. He didn't say, I will resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. It's, it's interesting how Jesus always speaks to himself in terms of finality. He didn't say, I am the one that resurrects people. Mm. Mm. And I, no, 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 no. He says, I'm the one that gives life. He said, I am the resurrection. So you see, revelation comes at the point of understanding who Jesus am. Is does not, you cannot say who Jesus is. He doesn't carry weight. He says, I am the resurrection. He is the possibility and the facilitation of coming back to, the, to, the, to life from the dead. So he, he was not going to test his power at the tomb of Lazarus. Do you understand? It wasn't probability. No, no, no. He is resurrection. He wasn't going there to see whether peradventure Lazarus might Rise. No, he says, I am the resurrection. When the resurrection got to the dead, what did he do? He prayed. Father, I thank you because you hear me always. And I thank you because I don't need to pray. That's what he said. But for the benefit of these people here. Let's see it. John 11. Hallelujah. John eleven forty, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, this is Martha now, did I not say to you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Do you understand? So that's, why, that's what John means in, in 1 John 5. When he says, this is the confidence we have as for him when we pray, that he hears. And if he hears, if we know rather, he says, if we know that he hears, we have. There's nowhere in the Bible you will see the phrase, answered prayer. Because answered prayer is not an activity, it's a knowledge. No, there's no activity called answered prayer. Answered prayer is a knowing. If we know that he hears, we have. That's prayer answered. Forget those drama. Those drama you grew up with in Pentecostal church. Oh my son, my son. I have heard your cry. I come to tell. Angel will faint. No, no, no. <laughs> How many of you have watched those dramas? I come to tell you that everything will be alright. Wipe your tears. Wipe your tears. Cry no more. The angel will now flat. Because the, the angel in drama does not appear. They arrive and depart. 
You know what I mean? They arrive and depart. They don't, they don't, they don't disappear and appear. No, no, no. <laughs> Did I help somebody? Answer prayer is what? Knowledge. And what is the knowledge? Because I prayed through Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit. I know he has heard. And because he has heard, I have. Not because he answered. Not because he did. But because I know that because I prayed the mind of the Father through Jesus, by the help of the Holy Spirit, God has heard. That is your answered prayer. Knowing that God has heard. Your answered prayer is not in the doing. It's in the knowing that God has heard. Do you understand? In the knowing that God has heard. So he, he said, I thank you that you have heard me. Go. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. So that they may believe you sent me. So see, Jesus praying then was not to draw power. He said, but you always hear me. I don't need to pray. But it's for the sake of these people. Are you following me? For the sake of these people. And so prayer is not even when you, you know how we pray, religion. Man, we're coming. You know, when you pray, 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 nah, in Jesus' name. Nonsense. What's that? Who told you that it's a, a way to sign your prayer at the end? Yours truly, Christy. You pray, pray, pray. In Jesus' name, amen. No. Because any rascal prays anything and can sign it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name is not what it means to pray through Jesus. The name of Jesus does not, does not even refer to the mentioning verbally of the name. The phrase name means identity. Backed with a certain authority. Or noma in the Greek. It doesn't refer to your designation, your appellation. Like Christy. No, that's not what it means when it says in the name of Jesus. It means in the identity and the exousia, the authority that backs that person. Does that make sense? It's not that every time you pray, pray, start the prayer with, in Jesus' name, then we now start coloring it. In Jesus' mighty name, Jesus' precious name, Jesus' most holified, beautified, sanctified, he doesn't need it. No, that's a, that's a whole other department. We're talking about the Jesus first. The name of Jesus itself. Jesus' matchless name. Jesus' precious name. Jesus' glorified name. Jesus' beautiful name. Jesus, he doesn't need you to sing him to know who he is. That does nothing for the authority in the name. But understanding the identity that the name invokes releases the authority behind the name. You don't have to say in Jesus' name. You don't. You don't see any singular reference in the scriptures to any prayer that ended with in Jesus' name. Not any. No. When they healed that guy at the gate called Beautiful and they asked them, what did you guys do? No, they just said, I've taught you this before. They said his name, through faith in his name, has made this man whole. 
Simple. It was when they asked them that they said is the name now. What else is there? It's not in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Your amen is standing on one leg. In Jesus' name, amen. Your amen has coronavirus. The louder your amen, the higher your foolishness. As old as you are, as you are like this now, sit down, dressing white, looking good. You have graduated, you have served, you have done masters. Hey, you know the Lord. You have sat under New Testament teaching. Someone now tells you, in Jesus' name, amen. So the louder your amen, the bigger your miracle. You are the one that is more foolish than the person that is telling you to shout. Yeah, it's you, you're the problem. It's because you are the problem that there's somebody to tickle the problem. Honestly. If everybody were sick and got well, such that there's no sick person anymore, do you think doctors will still be opening a clinic? No. Why do we have doctors? Why are they not enough? Because there's still so many sick people around. That's why we have charlatans running around in prayer houses. And in pulpits wearing suit. Because there's a lot of sick people still around. Who are drawing the opium that religion is selling. So, it's very, it takes a conscious effort to uncouple yourself from religion. Very, 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 very conscious effort. Because it's not praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Shout it louder. Amen. Shout it louder. Hey. Oh foolish Galatians. <laughs> It's praying in Jesus' name. It's, it's that every time you're about to declare something, you know you are being backed and therefore you're standing on the authority that is in him. Otherwise, we'll have a problem with that scripture that says baptizing them in the name of Jesus. It's not, it's not saying we baptized you in the name of Jesus. No, if you're baptizing them in the name of Jesus, why are you dipping them in water? Is water the name? <laughs> is water the name? So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you know that because you are one with him. Do you understand? Because you are one with him. There's no time you decree something that he doesn't carry his backing. That's when you're praying in the name. Father, I thank you. I was speaking to, I told you guys last week. I was speaking to, to Lady Choice, and I was telling her that we don't understand the revelation of sons of God. If you understand the revelation of sons of God, you know that the highest thing you can ever tell God is to call him father. He's not interested in Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the big shop of our life, the Kinikon, Kinikon, big boy. He's not interested. He was all those things. He didn't like it. He came to make you his son. He was all those things without you. Yeah. All without you. Like I said earlier, in praise and worship, knock yourself out. When you're approaching your father on the basis of Jesus, he wants to hear familiar language, family language, not the language of servants. No, he wants to speak our family language. I said to you, how many of you go into your father's house? I was telling, who was I telling about Caleb? It was Esther. 
I was saying, this Pastor Caleb, he has an understated way of knowing his sonship right. He would just send me something. Say, sir, uh, is it okay if ABC, you see, in fact, I'm coming. He's not waiting for me to answer. He's coming. Because if he knows I heard, he has. So me, I'll just laugh. I'll be like, okay. Come. My, come, my telling him to come doesn't make any difference. He has come anyway. The greatest thing you can say to God is to understand that his greatest achievement is being your father. That's his greatest pride. He's your father. So you can call him all you want and not, and not understand the father revelation. You will still be going around in circles. Father, I thank you. He prayed. So you unpack his energy in your life when you pray. Can I finish this? <laughs> Spiritual maturity is understood by the teaching of God's word. I've said that before. But it is walked in by prayer. It's understood by the word. It's walked in by prayer. I saw something on Facebook the other day, man. You know how me, I'm very good, those of you that know me very, I'm very good at minding my business. I'm very good at minding my business. Because you see, when, you're, when you're, you are practically raising physical people, you know how to mind yourself. Any charlatan can go on Facebook and make noise. Until there's physical people you're raising as disciples. You don't disciple people online. You don't. It's physical. Physical. So I'm very, I'm very good at my name. Somebody said, teach all the word of God without prayer. You have done nothing. I laughed. I laughed. There are people that when we started, they didn't come around. Some of your friends say, ah, you people don't pray. You don't pray warfare prayers. Why are we? <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, you see, yeah, let me go ahead. Because you must remove your culture from the gospel to see clearly. Yes, That's why I told you when we did understanding this gospel, that the gospel of Christ is a replacement culture. The gospel of Christ doesn't sit together with the culture of your people. We achieve unity in the church by prayer. Romans 15, 5 and 6. We even celebrate church growth, not by noise making, but by prayer. Second Thessalonians 1, from verse 3. Are we there? Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. You see when Paul receives the report of the Thessalonian church, he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. What did he do? He gave thanks. He prayed. He didn't boast. He prayed. By the way, church growth is not numerical. Yeah? We've dealt with that in DSTP. Right? Okay. Let's take a couple more. 
for acceptable service. Let's look at Romans 15, because I think we need to go through that. Romans 15 is a very, very loaded scripture when it comes to prayer. A lot of, you see a lot of Pauline prayers in, or Pauline prayers, depending on your English teacher, in Romans 15. <laughs> Romans 15, you know how the English you learned is, is dependent on the person that taught you. <laughs> Some of you that keep saying belt, belt. My father built a house. My father built a house. My father built a house. This is belt, belt. <laughs> My father built a house. Belt a house. Belt a house. My father took belt and flogged the house. <laughs> Built. Yes? Built, not belt. Google, not goggle. Check on Google. What? <laughs> Say what now? Romans 15:30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus. And through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers. Do you see that? Strive together with me in prayers. To God for me that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. And I can spend all evening talking about this text. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Are you seeing it? That I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you, Paul told them, this is what you should pray. Pray that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Why didn't Paul not pray for God to kill them and scatter them with fire? He said, pray that me, I will be delivered from them that do not believe. And let me add, while we await their believing. Because you too, you were not a believer when he died for you. He could have killed you, he died for you instead. So why do you want to kill somebody else rather than wait and pray them into receiving that which you have freely received? There's no prayer for anybody's death that is of God. None. I don't care who is praying it. I don't care who is praying it. I'm, I apologize that I am not sorry. <laughs> that I say emphatically with no iota of controversy that any prayer that prays for somebody to die is not of God. It's not the nature of God. Eh, justify it anyhow you want. Boko Haram, they didn't start today. They were in the scriptures. Terrorists, they were in the scriptures. Paul that raised people from the dead was smuggled down in a basket. You think he didn't have power to pray and scatter everybody? Oh, but he, Elisha prayed. BS came down and ate 40 of the children. Elijah called down fire from heaven. Jesus corrected it. Luke chapter 9. Jesus corrected it. The, the, his disciples came and said, Ah, master, these people didn't allow, didn't accept you. Ah, allow us. Let us call down fire. First of all, the boys knew that they could call down fire. They will not say, let us call down fire. They didn't think they could actually call down fire. So they, had, they could call down fire. Jesus said, hey, do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? And at that time, they did not yet have the Holy Spirit. They only had the Holy Spirit to the measure that he was contained in Jesus. Do you understand? They had the Holy Spirit by association, not by infilling. But even at just Holy Spirit by association, Jesus said, even just for hanging around me, you can't think like that. 
How much more you that has the Holy Spirit by infilling? So when he said, do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? What was he referring to? Because at that point, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Only he had the Holy Spirit. Remember? So do you not know what manner of spirit you're of? How can you be hanging around and talking like that? So instantly, Jesus shuts down the narrative of Elijah and Elisha. As touching, dealing with our enemies. He adjusted it. He prayed for them to die. Why? So God cannot deliver you until he kills the people that are after you. Yeah, God is very cheap. Your God is nothing more than a hired assassin. Really? Yes. If all he does is just take out people that are against you. That means your God knows that he's not powerful enough to keep you from those people. So he has to kill them first before they kill he, you and spoil his business. It's a very cheap God. So he said, pray that what? You may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Pray that his service poor in Jerusalem may be acceptable. So how do we get acceptable service? By prayer. We pray ourselves into acceptable service. Are you here? And then he also goes, pray that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. And pray that I may be refreshed together with you. So acceptable service is undergirded in the place of prayer. Are we here? sanctification, restoration, preservation for the saints in the place of prayer. You know, I, I, I don't want to go into 1 John 5. Um, you know, we'll talk about that another day, maybe in a one accord meeting, about the sin that leads on to death. If your brother sees, if you, any of you sees your brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, pray for him. I, I, there's a sin that leads to death. I do not say you should pray for that. It's a very, very meaty text in scripture. It's not for babies. <laughs> it's a very, it's one of them scriptures that when you're reading, you're, it's like you're driving and you come to the scripture, you just slam the brakes. <laughs> because you look at the scripture, the scripture looks at you. <laughs> the scripture says, where are you going? You cannot come here until you go through me. There are scriptures like that in the, in the Bible. They shut you down. And you're like, ah, okay, let us sit down, do justice to this. I won't talk about that today. Just know that me like this, I'm just telling you, yeah, so that you know that me like this, I don't even know. Even if I tried, I cannot enter the sin that leads to death. Because I'm not in the path of death. Even in my worst state, by your estimation, by, your, by whatever permutation you want to calculate it, by, by whatever analysis you want to, I am not in the path of death. Colossians 3.3, but you, Alexander, died. And your life is hid with Christ in God. I am not thinking sin. How much more one that leads to death? I am not on that level. Colossians, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now the life I live in this flesh, I, I live by the faith of, of the Son of God. Not faith in the Son of God. Faith of. That's what you Go and check King James. KJV. It doesn't say faith in. It says faith of. That's the original Greek translation. It's not by live by faith in the Son of God. As though it's your faith that you're using to sustain yourself. No. You live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith that is keeping you. It's what Jesus believes about you 
that is keeping you connected to the Father. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Yes, it's Jesus' convictions about you that gives you eternal life. So you coming into revelation is you coming into Jesus' persuasion about you. Isn't that what agape is? Agapeo, I've taught you in this house. The preferences of God, not the feelings of God. Agape is not a feeling. Agapeo means the preferences of God. The opinion of God over a matter. How God thinks about a particular thing. That's the word agapeo. It's not a God kind of love like God is hugging you and kissing you. No, that's what it means. It's not a feeling. It's God's opinion. So when God loves you, what did God do? God extended his opinion about you to you. And what is his opinion? You, regardless of how you are, you are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. And because he says you are that, he reckons you to be that. Because he reckons you to be that, you become that which he reckons. Yes, That's love. Love is not that like God commended his love towards us. Like God looked at you and go, oh, Chrissy, you're so fine. I'm a savior. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I'm a, you're too nice to go to hell. I'm going to deliver you. I mean, you are so delivered right now because I love you. I can't help myself. I just love you. If that's your revelation of love, it's Hollywood that is in your head. And that's why sometimes you go, I don't feel like God loves me because you relegated it to a feeling. told you is a feeling. You don't feel God loves you. You know He loves you. You don't feel. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, I, I don't feel His love anymore. He's a God has left me. What kind of bipolar God is that? When He says, I am convinced, I, I swear, I swear, that nothing. You see, that's why I don't add my mouth to nonsense on the internet. Because let me be sick, eh? passed out on an isolation center bed besides myself. Eh? And the only way to save me is to give me vaccine that has antichrist inside. I cannot go to hell. No. There's no way one stupid vaccine can undo the finished work of Christ in my life. Do you understand what Jesus did? Bring it. Choke it. That's, you see, that's why I keep my mouth shut on some things online. I don't, I don't involve myself in, I'm too big with all due respect. I don't involve myself in some nonsense, baseless arguments with people online that have no insight. So, hey, let's fight the vaccine. Let's fight this thing. Because if you take it, you are, eh, and where's God? Where's the cross? Where's what Jesus did? Vaccine. Will, take, will now remove me from grace. Ha! Grace. If you know what grace is, if somebody calls it hyper grace, you tell him, is that all? All you, all the only word you have is hyper. Oh, no, now. Hyper hasn't started. Grace. 
died. It, Romans says that, in chapter 3, that in his forbearance, he overtook the sins that were previously committed. Jesus' sins went back to creation. White creation till the day of the Lord. Creation. When morning stars sang for joy, Job 38. Wipe the sins of the world and all in it where in it will come in it. From creation till the day of the Lord. In other words, till the day where we can no longer count day. Took it all. Deleted it. And then a vaccine. No, I don't, I don't have time for some things. Honestly, this, this is what you patronize that amplifies. It's what you patronize that amplifies. Do you understand how much? How much Jesus did? You never worry about some things. It's not a feeling. It's knowing. Oh, I don't feel loved. I don't feel righteous. That's your problem. You are stuck in the realm of feelings. The carnal mind does not comprehend the things of God, for they are only spiritually discerned. Romans 8. Spiritually discerned. That's why it's kind of good. I go, ah, you know, all these things God just did. You mean we don't need to do anything? Yes. What do you want to do? Oh, let's balance you. Balance you. You want to balance God. God no get balance. You are the, if God needed balance, it's you that will not have God to balance. Because it's how you hold God. He will fall this side. Because he didn't balance it with the weight on this side. So you, you. <sighs> No, sin leading unto death is not. I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not. I'm not there. Oh, you are going to lose your salvation. How? Wake up. Try to unsave yourself. I dare you. You can only unsave yourself if you saved yourself. Because you see, ah oh man, is, is anybody getting this? That's why we keep emphasizing that salvation is exclusively an act of God with zero participation of a man. It's what you participated in doing that you feel like you can participate in sustaining. So if you need to stay saved, you helped yourself to be saved, which means you're not saved. <laughs> That's what it means. If you invested, if you own shares in your salvation business, ah, uh, you're not a beneficiary you're an investor. That's why you keep struggling to sustain your business. How can you, a believer, son of God, be praying about help me to not miss heaven? Eh? Let us pray. The other, the other day, somebody shared with me a prayer point that was sent to a WhatsApp group. That they said, please let us pray, Bishop. Let us pray that God will remind us of our sins that we sinned so we can ask him to forgive us. Oh, yes. True life story. Yes. <laughs> Have you finished discussing it? <laughs> Listen, that's why every time Paul prays, he prays that you may know. Yeah. Do you know how many times I've told my wife that I love you? When I could throw her over a window of a 10-story building with my eyes closed. 
You don't know yet. Don't worry. Wait. Oh, marriage happily ever after. Where do you see in your Bible? There's no place in Genesis to Revelation that promises you happily ever after marriage. With the kind of headache you are giving God, you're expecting your marriage to not have headache. Ah, for one night. No. Many times, many times, even those of you who are close to me, at times when I will tell you I love you, because that's when I really want to kill you. I'm serious. But love is not a feeling. Most times I'm doing that to remind myself that this is a choice. It's a decision I made. That's what keeps you alive before God, the choice he made to fall in love with you. Not what you do. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. That's what Paul told Timothy. He cannot deny himself. God is faithful to you for himself. For himself. That's why I put on Facebook. Any God that tells you forgive your neighbor 70 times 7 and cannot forgive you, that God is working in unforgiveness. Because he's supposed to be my example. You sing, pa, trumpet sound. As if you know the sound of the trumpet. Too. I've been telling people in this church. <laughs> I keep saying it. You're looking for trumpet sound. You don't know what trumpet sounds like. You point, say where's trumpet, you point there. You, are, you, you miss the rapture. Go to Google. Learn the sound of trumpet. Before you hear, you say, God. You know, that thing, was that trumpet? That's for those of you who are expecting physical trumpet. So you now do one small trumpet, trumpet sound, para, you are in hell. I, I, I don't have time to waste serving that kind of God. God walking in sin and telling you to not sin. Unforgiveness is sin. God now tells you, forgive. And he himself does not forgive you. Or he only forgives you the one that you confessed. If we get there tonight, I'll show you that scripture where Jesus tells them that if you do these things, even the Gentiles do them. What's your reward? What's your reward? Forgiveness has never been an answer to prayer. I've deviated now, but this might help somebody. God never ever forgave because you prayed. God forgives because his nature is compassion. People call God all kinds of things. When God began to introduce himself, the narrative was different. Exodus 33. Please, I hope somebody's getting something because I don't know, I don't know me, I don't know what I'm doing here because I'm where I want to go. I've, I've not gone. What I want to do, I've not done. <laughs> 33. You know the, the conversation of, of Moses and God, you know, uh, show me your, your, your face. Don't, if, you don't, if, if you don't go with us, don't send us from here. Okay, I'll send an angel. <laughs> Moses argues, say, angel what? He's the angel that brought us out of Egypt. He said, if you're not coming with us, God said, okay, all right, okay, okay. I, I will go with you. And you thought Moses was okay. Moses said, now show me your, your glory. <laughs> show me your glory, Moses. God now answered Moses and said, no one can see my face and live. Moses did not say, show me your face. There's no single translation. Go and check. I did a study on this like 20 years ago. There's no single translation. That, you, that is rendered Moses saying, show me your face. Moses said, show me your glory. God replied and said, you cannot see my face. There's also no singular translation that God replies and says, nobody can see my glory. Moses said, show me your glory. God heard, show me your face. 
So there is a direct correlation as far as God things are concerned between the glory of a person and the face of that person. Yes, sir. He says, no, you can't see my face and live. And I, I can teach a whole series on that. So God says, no, I, I, will, I will hide in the cleft of the rock and I will show you my back. But right now, you are not, you can't handle my face. Why? Because the lamb has not been slain in time. So that's why if you see me as, if you see me now as God, you will dissolve, you die. Wait for Jesus. Yes, now. The face that you can see and transact with, the face you can see and worship, the face you can see and approach, it's not here, it's not this one. You, you, instant, you spontaneously combust. That's what God told Moses. So wait. You're asking for what is not yet in time. Wait. But I'll give you a consolation prize. I will show you everything that leads up to Jesus. I will show you my back. You will see eternity past. Who wrote Genesis 1? Moses. Where did he see it? In the back of God. It's not there. How else could he have written Genesis? He wasn't there. I mean, at best, he would have gotten some revelation from his mom about how he was born, basket, Pharaoh, you know, at, at best, and go from there. But Genesis, the flood, Noah, how? He saw God's back. He saw what God had been up to. But God did not show him what he was up to. God showed him what he had been up to while concealing from him what he is up to. But he has revealed them to us. Ah. Ah. What Moses could not see has revealed them to us by his spirit. The days of Moses are gone. The cross retired the days of Moses. Retired the days of Elijah. And ushered in the days of the son of God. God in sundry times in various ways. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1, spoke in time past to our fathers through the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us through the son. Son, not the days of Elijah. Even Abraham who preceded the law. Jesus said, Abraham, your father longs to see my day. He saw it in his promissory sense and was glad. So he believed God. Hey, you know what it means for Abraham to believe God? Abraham saw what was coming. I said, yeah, I'm in this thing. Because why? So by the time Jesus comes, he's going to pay the sins of everybody from start to finish. And from start to finish, somewhere inside start to finish, my start to finish is in there. I believe it was credited to him for righteousness. Because there's no how he will come. It doesn't matter if it takes 6,000 years to come. Whenever that lamb is slain, my sins are inside. So David will not come and boast, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Exodus 33. That's where I was, though. I was just giving you background. So, 18. Exodus 33, 18. Then Moses said, no, yeah, and then Moses said, please show me your glory. Can you see that? 
19, and, he, and God said, I will make my goodness to pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. I'll have compassion on who I'll have compassion. But he said, 20, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, and it shall be when my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God says, me, I will put you in the cleft of your rock. God then says, I will cover you with my hand. God says, I will pass you as, as my hand is covering you. <laughs> Go to 34, chapter 34. I want to show you how God introduced himself. The record you get of God worshipping himself. Those of you that erroneously call God consuming fire. God is not the herbalist in your village. 34 of Exodus, verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and the Lord proclaimed. Are you there? The Lord was conducting service. The Lord was leading the worship. The Lord proclaimed. Hear how the Lord introduces himself in the, in the old covenant. The Lord, the Lord God. What's the first qualification of that God? Uh-huh. 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 And continue keeping for forgiving and keep going and which, which, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity, don't be afraid, keep going, upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Somebody goes, hey, but you have spoiled it now. He forgives iniquity, but he does not clear the guilty. That's why what Jesus did was a legal transaction. Your sins were not excused. You are forgiven because somebody was punished. So no, no guilty was cleared. That scripture is fulfilled. In Christ. How about their fathers and how about their generations? What is Jesus called? The first fruit from the dead. So in Jesus, fulfilling the righteous requirements of God, every generation that will come through him has fulfilled it. That's why there's no such thing as the law that survived in this dispensation, the moral laws, the ceremonial laws, civil nonsense. You don't see anywhere where it says that the law has passed away except the Ten Commandments. Where, where do you see that? Ten Commandments are binding on us today. Who said that? Where do you see that? DJ. God introduces himself as merciful. God introduces himself as forgiving iniquity. God introduces himself in the covenant of law as gracious. So this law thing is not who I am, Moses. That's what he was telling him. This tablet you just received is not who I am. It is a bridge to who I am. Oh, I am not this. I'm gracious. I'm long-suffering. I'm forgiving. My design is to forgive sins. I'm merciful. That's how God introduced himself. So he forgives not because you prayed for forgiveness, but because he's a forgiving father. Let's finish this. Is anybody getting this? So when you pray, that's why we understand what it means to come boldly. Yeah, boldly. 
boldly. Your sins are taken away. Brethren, as we start this service now, the Bible says all I've seen. Come short to the glory of God. Brethren, David said, if, you know, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now let's confess every sin. Because, but the first prayer point, let me show you the first prayer point in that service. Brethren, let's begin to thank God and worship him and glorify him. He's wonderful. He's precious. Speak good things to him. Come on, speak good things. Speak good things. Love on him. Worship him. Glorify him. Glorify him. He's worthy. Praise him, praise him, exalt his name, his word is hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we love you, we praise your name. Unto you shall the gathering of your people. That's the first prayer point. Second prayer point, brethren, the Bible says we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Huh? Because first of all, if you believe that he doesn't hear you, as soon as you want to preach, just go, Father, forgive me. At least you show that you believe what you are saying. And I'm not saying there's a problem, but there's a solution. I'm just saying if you believe, you are convinced that what you are saying makes rational sense to you. As you open your mouth to pray in that religion, you open your mouth and say, Father, forgive me, for I am a sinner. I cannot help myself. And the prayer of an ungodly man, you will not hear, which brings us to what he says is a problem. Because at the point you are still saying she forgive you, you can't hear you. Because you're a sinner. So you are smoked. <laughs> because even for you to become the kind of person that he will hear, you are starting off as somebody he cannot hear. Religion is weak, very wicked. Very wicked. Religion is more wicked than Satan. I'm telling you the truth. Satan is a saint sat next to religion. Do you understand? Satan has boundaries. He has a job description. He's regulated. Religion is rascal. Placed by no rules. Next to religion, Satan is a saint. Good guy. Religion. Ah. Takes people that the cross paid for and deliberately changed them. Deliberately. That's why Paul had to warn the Galatians 6 and 6 and verse 1. Stand firm. Stand firm, therefore. And the liberty is, liberty is contended for. We are contending for the liberty in which Christ made us free. And don't be entangled again. Don't be entangled again. Religion is evil. As we are speaking on these people who are going, hey, hey, this kind of people. That's what religion has done. It's not Satan that did it. Now say it's Satan. No, it's not Satan that's doing that to you. It's religion. Religion. Spirit that thinks it knows. And it's comfortable in its chains. Can we go on? Yeah. We pray, we have sanctification, we fulfill God's purpose in the place of prayer. And Christ is glorified through us. Second Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. I just want to show you as many prayers as I can. Maybe I'll just take today and finish this. And then next week, I heard some people laughing. <laughs> oh, Father, forgive them. But they know what they do. <laughs> Second test, 1, 11, and 12. Therefore, we also pray. This is Paul writing, right? Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't get distracted now. Don't get distracted. Therefore, we also pray for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. And that calling there does not refer to salvation. Hmm? Okay. And fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with 
power. Pray also, verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified. Is that a good prayer point to pray? The name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you glorified in him according to the grace of our Lord, of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. Can we pray that for a few, for a few moments? That the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you and that you are glorified in him. Father, let them see your glory in my life. My Indo Subragi Ishtahala. Pa Indo Subragi Ishtogobahai. Zebali Grosti Genda Jibadoste Kilahai. That the name of Jesus is glorified in me and I in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your name is glorified in us as we are glorified in you. Thank you, Father. Philemon 4. Philemon 4. I'll need um, the, 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 let's sit in the TPT. Philemon 4. Philemon is just one short letter. The fourth verse. Do you have it, Maya? Philemon in your Bible is somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. <laughs> have you found it? Philemon, depending on your teacher. <laughs> Philemon. Who has heard Philemon before? You've never heard Philemon. You have heard. Yeah, you have to be of a certain age. To have heard Philemon. Philemon 4. <laughs> Philippians. Turn your Bible to Philippians. Or Philippians. I am always thankful to my God as I remember you in my prayers. Paul is telling Philemon. Because I'm hearing reports about your faith in the Lord Jesus. And how much love you have for all his holy followers. 6. I pray for you. Paul is praying for Philemon. I pray for you that the faith we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. I pray for you that the faith we share will effectively deepen your understanding of, oh my God, of every good thing that is yours in Christ. The King James says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is yours in Christ Jesus. Pray that prayer now. Pray it. Pray that prayer. I acknowledge every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus. Every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus. Every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus. Every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus. I acknowledge it. And therefore I appropriate it by faith tonight. I acknowledge every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus. Healing that is mine. 
supply that is mine, forgiveness that is mine, righteousness that is mine, sanctification that is mine. Acknowledge it and appropriate it effectively. Pandoko sibre dia negoshe patahaya. Langro sipaling rende yisto go bahani iza. Every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus, I acknowledge it tonight. In prayer by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we pray, we acknowledge and appropriate all that is ours. In Christ Jesus. Remember what I said to you earlier on? It's not, in, it's, not, it's not what brings revelation, but it's what unpacks that revelation in your life for your benefit. You acknowledge by prayer all that is yours in Christ Jesus. All that is yours in Christ Jesus. Look at this scripture in 2 Thessalonians 3.16. You see why prayer is also imperative for sons of God. It was a prayer that Paul prayed. He doesn't read like it, but once you, once you read it now from the lens of prayer, you understand that there was a prayer he prayed. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, he says what? Let's all read together, New King James. One to go. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always and in every way. Let's pray that. Come on, pray. <laughs> I have peace. Always and in every way. I have peace. Second Thessalonians 3.16. I have peace always and in every way. Pando klibas induce grida balahea. Pandigo si bradegadia no se kiti behesh. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So as, as I show you these things, this is what makes up your daily prayer life. Does that make sense? Daily prayer routine. Just skip two, two verses down. You'll see another lovely verse, verse 18. Verse 18. 2 Thessalonians 3.18. Have you seen it? It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. If you have a physical Bible, you see that the B is in italics. You notice it? B in italics, B-E in italics means that it was not there in the original translation. But for the translators to make it make sense by their limited understanding, they added B. But the Greek is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. So to transliterate it in English would have been, you have the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ with you all. Is that a good one to pray? Oh, you better pray. I have. I thank you for the peace. I thank you for the peace. I thank you for the grace that is mine of God in Christ. Thank you for your grace that is with me. 
Thank you for your grace that is with me. Thank you for your grace that is with me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. With me. Bangose Pakaliandegesh. Randaboske Zigra Digadesh Akada Bandaliados. Emba Geda de Gedias to Krude Beni Andegesh Dahala. Engadiza Bragaduze Kijados. Manga Sire Briadon de Gida Lahani goes the high. Besa Grode Biandegesh or Susa Grida Besha. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Can we pray one more or two more? This is another interesting one. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. The Christ conscious believer is given to prayer. Partnering with God's willingness. And we'll read this and then we'll reason together about it a little bit before we pray. Is that all right? From verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all... <laughs> That supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? Am I, am I in word and life? Yes, be made for who? Be made for who? Okay, verse 2. And for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Hmm. Pray for kings and all who are in authority that they might die by fire for not doing God's will. So instantly you start to see how the word filters what the church does in the name of Jesus. We're not praying for leaders to die. We're praying that we all may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. So we can pray the mind of the Father through leaders because leaders are instruments of his authority in the earth. Paul says as in, 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 in Romans, I think Romans 13 or so. I think so. Amen. Ah, now do you understand when I said that this is one of the most comprehensive series? Romans 13 verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Gang, gang. It gets worse. Verse 2. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. It gets even worse. It gets worse. Verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, the authorities, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Six. For because of this, or this is why you also pay taxes. And the church says, mm -hmm. 
This is why you also pay taxes for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Seven. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs is due. Are you seeing it in your Bible? And honor to whom it is due. New Testament. Romans. Paul speaking. So we drive comfortably and confidently when we are approaching a checkpoint. You ask for my particulars, I give you a magazine. You should show you want papers. Your license, flip to page 8. Teens permit, page 13. Customs, page 16. Vehicle license, page 3. Driver's license, page 1. Roadworthiness, page 5. Insurance, page 6. It's not paper. General motor receipt, page 9. Okay. Do you want to be unafraid of the authorities? Do what is good. So Paul says, that's what being a Christ conscious believer means. But the, the wicked ones, when no one pushes him, say, hey, checkpoint, oh Jesus. No, that's not a Rabbanama time. Father, cover their eyes. Strike them with temporary blindness. That's when they look at you and they will shine your, their flashlight in your eye. Say, you look like a criminal. Come on, pack this car. Say, Father, you don't answer prayers, my friend. You, everything is, I just stapled everything. You ask for one document, I give you the whole magazine. Because when you see them as your enemy, that's why you always be at loggerheads with them. Because you too, you are trying to break the law or at least circumvent it. You too. Do you know how afraid I am of paying less than what something costs? Because I want to have my receipt. I want to have my receipt. If I'm paying, oh, how much is this? Oh, just give us 48,000. We'll do everything. You're in trouble. <laughs> because you are paying for circumventing the process. There are some things you will not have. Some things you will not have. And you think you, you, think you have paid. <laughs> you want to say what I'm talking about? So who you pay to? So that spirit, that bloodthirsty spirit that walks in the nation, that makes you feel like everybody's on your menu for your God to kill, is Antichrist. Sort of God. It's Antichrist. What kind of believer are you? That everybody, nobody's indispensable. God, kill them, remove them. It says pray for them in authority. They are God's ministers. They're doing ministry. That we all may lead a peaceful and quiet life. That's what Paul prayed. As believers, as how we pray. Or don't pray. Than to think of praying for them to die. Oh, Father. Oh, he survived. Oh. That's not how believers pray. We uphold those in authority that we may live a peaceful and quiet life. When the, the kingdom was rot or wrestled away from David by his own son. Can you imagine the pain? Absalom, his own son, sabotaged him and took over the kingdom. David, there was, a, there was one of David's trusted advisors that parleyed with Absalom by the name of Ahithophel. And David could have prayed and said, kill Absalom. Instead, David wept when he got the news that Absalom died. It broke his heart. Absalom was in the wrong, but David's heart of compassion got the better of him. 
by ordinary standards, Absalom des deserved to die. Absalom and Amnon, his brother, deserved to die. They were, David was better off without them. And that's what paved the way for Solomon. A type of Christ. Remember that Christ in Solomon? At best, he prayed, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness. Because David understood that it was bad advice that was doing Absalom's head. So we pray for, it's our responsibility to pray for those in authority. Oh, if Christians are not, they are Christians in authority, what are they doing? Lest you think that, oh, okay, we're not, we're not supposed to pray for them because they are unbelievers. What are you saying? That, hey, when they're they believers, we'll pray. You know, most of the problem now is believers, in quote. Most of them. And so the system is so twisted because sons have abdicated their responsibility in prayer. We're praying for the wrong things. I repeat, the system is so twisted because sons have abdicated their responsibility in prayer. We are praying for the wrong things. Pray for those in authority that we all may live a peaceable, peaceable and quiet life. You think we pray because we like him? But we pray because scripture enjoins us to pray for those in authority. So whenever you're praying, add those in authority in your prayer. Are you hearing me? Add those in authority that we all may live a quiet and peaceable life. Add those in authority in your prayer. That's how we pray. It's our responsibility. Those in authority are our responsibility in the place of prayer. Does that make sense? There's too much nonsense going around. So there's, there's a fundamental fault line that only sons can fix. Do you understand what I'm saying? Only sons can fix. And man, the fixing is a lot. There's a whole system that the Lord needs to uproot. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he will. Because the system is too strong for any one singular person to try and think they can make an impact. It swallows you whole. So make it a habit to pray for those, uphold those in authority. That they make right decisions. That they correct the wrong decisions. Do you understand? That they are influenced by good and godly counsel. Is that good? Where there is a need, we stay in prayer until provision is manifest. I repeat, where there's a need, we stay in prayer until its provision, it's manifest. Don't get tired to pray. There are many times I've prayed for something. I prayed for a leg, prayed for an arm, prayed for a headache. And then by the next day or next week, you pray again. You pray again. You pray again. That's you exercising your faith until it comes to pass. Do you understand? And let me emphasize, until it comes to pass in time. Because in eternity, it's done. Do you understand? Like I said, prayer is the distance between what you have and what is yours. Do you remember that I said that last week or two weeks ago? Prayer is the distance between what you have and what is yours. So you pray. Don't get intimidated when you prayed for a leg that was twisted and then you saw it twisted. Hold the leg and pray again. Do you understand? Pray again. You, you, you exercise faith or something, doesn't go the way you pray again. You stay in the place of prayer until provision is made manifest. That's why we continue steadfastly in prayer. You get that? I said something last week. I repeat it again this week. When you have been given pastors and leaders after God's heart, you must pray for them. Especially when we stand in the forefront of truth. In this adverse age, pray. 
Paul understood this, he always told them to pray. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 1. Let's see that. Is anybody getting this tonight? You're getting all the more reasons to pray, right? Second Corinthians 1, 8 to 11. Are you there? For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Are we there? Above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Nine, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Ten, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Eleven, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. You also helping us together in prayer. You help authorities by prayer. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. It comes from, you know, stand there for having got it along with truth, yeah? The full armor of God. And it goes into 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. C19. And for me, Paul says. Why does he say she pray for him? That utterance may be given to me. Remember we prayed this last week? that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. So you pray for those in authority, spiritual authority over you. Philippians 1.19. I hope some of you are writing the scriptures down. So when you're praying, you are guided by this. Philippians 1.19. For I know <laughs> this will turn out for my deliverance. How? Okay, my church folks have been kidnapped. Are they here? Yes, you here? Yes, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. How? Paul, Paul, the apostle, the apostle was going through something. And he said that he knew that what he was going through will turn out for his deliverance. How? Through the prayer of the church. So there's a level of deliverance you owe those that lead you spiritually in the place of prayer. If you prayed for your pastors, there are some things they don't have to deal with. And if they don't have to deal with those things, or if they don't have those things to deal with, they are able to be of better kingdom service to you. Do you understand? Because the primary assignment of pastors and teachers over you is to teach you God's word. Not to make you feel good. Not to be your friend. Not to visit you, hang with you, chat with you. All those things are just stuff that we do in fellowship. Everybody should do. Make sense? Everybody should. But primary labor of pastors and teachers is the preaching and teaching of God's word at the place of discipleship. Now, when you pray with them, stand with them in prayer, there are certain struggles that they are delivered from. And because they are delivered from those struggles, they are able to better serve you according to the calling of God. Does that make sense? So ultimately, it's for your good when you pray for your leader. Because they are better positioned to be of a blessing to you in ministry. So develop the habit. 
I tell people all the time, whatever you think of me, pray. That's the best thing you can do. Holla, but just pray. You're thinking about a Tuesday Word and Life meeting. You're thinking about, just pray. Pray for deliverance from nonsense. You, in other words, in the place of prayer, you shape the quality of pastor you have. Do you understand? You, di- you divert and deviate certain struggles that you understand that your pastor should not have to deal with so that he can serve you better. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, let me round this up. Let me round this up. So it is the design of a believer to pray. All right? It is the design of the believer to pray. It is the design of the believer to pray. In Luke 18 and 1, Jesus told them this parable about, um, I think it was the, the persistent widow with the unjust judge. But I think in verse 1, it says, it says that he told them this parable. He spoke to them a parable, or he spoke, yeah, he spoke a parable to them. And the end of the parable, or the lesson of the parable, was that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Men, referring to men in Christ, ought always to pray. Tell your neighbor, men ought always to pray. That's what Jesus did. That's what he modeled, right? Matthew 14, I showed you uh, two weeks ago. I'll show it again as we round up. Matthew 14, Jesus modeled that, right? He did nothing without praying. Matthew 14, 22 and 23. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. The same narrative is repeated in Mark 6. And then in Luke chapter, Mark 6, 45 and 46. But in Luke 6, you see another account of Jesus praying. Luke 6 and verse 12. Luke 6 and 12. Now it came to pass on those days that he went out on the mountain to pray. I showed you this last week, right? And continued all night in prayer to God 13. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. He did that in the place of prayer. Now, he's the knowledge of all things, remember? He's truth. So he could have as well made these choices without praying. I mean, he is the truth. He's omniscient, right? He knows all things. He is the knowledge of all things. He didn't need to pray. But he subjected himself to prayer because he's our pattern. Because he's our pattern. That's why I said to you two weeks ago that the most crucial time to pray is when you think you know what you need to do. Remember? The most crucial time to pray about anything is when you think or you're convinced you know what to do. That's when it's more crucial to pray. So he modeled to us as a pattern son. So prayer is what we do as a church and then individually. That's the pattern of the New Testament. Yeah, a lot of what we are enjoying to do in, 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 in the New Testament is addressed to us as the church. It, it flows into you individually from the corporateness. And that's why there's this onslaught against the local church now that is not of God. Any reformer, any reformer, because that's the name they call themselves now. 
In New Testament, you know, Greece preachers against legalism, against law, against work, against religion, against church. Any such person that downplays or discredits or disrespects the place of the local church has no understanding and revelation of Jesus. Because he said, upon this revelation, I will build my church. If he built a church, the church exists regardless of what people have made it. So you cannot foreclose the place of the church because people have bastardized it. And we'll talk about this next because we go into the next part of this teaching. Is there, has anybody seen a fake 5,000 naira note? Why is there no fake 5,000 naira note? It's simple. So the presence of a photocopy or a bad copy highlights in even greater strength the presence and the legitimacy of the original. It's foolishness to discountenance the original because of fakes. It's foolishness. So you stopped banking, you stopped collecting money, in, in, you, you sell in market or you, 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 you don't give me salary in cash. Pay me in cowries. Because in these days you can't tell a fake currency for me. For me, real one. Every time a taxi driver gave you change, you lift up, you have a hydrocarbon, whatever thing that you, you, you do that. So why is it that when it comes to spiritual things, that we anything that forecloses one thing because of abuse is responding sentimentally as opposed to spiritually? That's how you know. Most of the people that are trying to champion truth are teaching it from pain and not from revelation. You must be mindful of that. Most people spew bitterness in their hearts. When you hear some women talking about relationships, you see the pain. You know that they, are, they have undealt issues. There's so many people that are preaching and teaching and saying they are ministers of the gospel who are only out using it as an outlet for their pain. It's not a calling. The fact that you went through a misfortune doesn't make you a messenger. The fact that you survived rape doesn't make you all of a sudden a rape advocate. I'm not saying, I'm, 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 do you understand what I'm saying? No. But the fact that you went through something doesn't mean that you now get up. You're now it. You have not been anointed champion. You went through abuse. You're now an abuse. God called me to deal with those. No, no, there's one calling. It encapsulates everything. Encapsulates everything. Encompasses everything. So a lot of times we're ministering from our heart. Oh, what pastors did to me? Are you the only one? No, that's, that's why the gospel doesn't need your testimony. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. No. No. You cannot be objective with scripture in the spirit if you go at it from your sentiments. So when I see people and I read stuff online, I see people being insultive and being vulgar and being vain. You don't have the spirit of God. You don't. Paul says you have not so learned Christ. He's not unruly. He's not. And don't tell me that stupidity of he, of he took canes and flogged in the temple. That was not believers. It's not believers he chased out of the temple. And that was a type and shadow of what he was doing to build the temple, which is the heart of men. Clear of all filth. It was just a type and shadow of what he was going to do on the cross. He took a cane. He flogged everybody out. Jesus, he called them foxes. He called them them. Somebody say them. Them. Paul says, of such you wear. Such you wear. We wear that. We no longer are that. So when people come online and they're arguing and they're calling people names, insulting each other in the name of doctrine, no, none of you is right. None of you is portraying the spirit of Christ. None. 
And that's why I've warned all of you here who say you're following me. Because if you say you're following somebody and you're being discipled by somebody and you're not patterning yourself after that person, you too, you're not wise. You think we don't know what to say? You think we don't know what to say when we hold our peace and keep quiet? Because at the point, at the point you jump into the ring, you're no different from everybody else. You're not different. So people are speaking and championing all kinds of things that are contrary to the spirit of Christ. But we know him whom we have believed. We know him. So any message that forecloses the church is not of God. It's not of God. From the early stages of the New Testament church, you see order. You see authority. You see leadership. You see responsibility. You see sonship in the priesthood of all believers. Are you following me? No, you must press in. You know, there's nothing as powerful as the God that you know for yourself. Show me where in your Bible is written. Oh, the Berean Christians, Acts 17. Berean who? Jews. Doesn't call them Christians, doesn't call them believers. The Jews in Thessalonica were more honorable than their brethren because when they heard a gospel they have never heard before, they were, they, they were guys that were steeped in the law of Moses. That's all they knew. They now started hearing grace. They say, come, you're hearing grace from the same scriptures that we have always heard law from. Let's see if this thing is so. It doesn't, it doesn't suggest that they spent, that it was their custom to constantly subject the gospel of grace to scrutiny. Don't read into scripture what it didn't say. That's AC Jesus. They heard something that was alien. They say, ha, ah, it's the same thing that Philip and Nathaniel, when he says, come and see, he, I think of, he said, can anything good? He, he, he didn't continue the habit of doubting Jesus. And Jesus looked at him, and Jesus didn't look at him according to his doubts. He said, behold, an, an Israelite Jew, in whom there's no guile, in whom there's no blame. Jesus did not see what the guy did wrong. So he was without blame. And then the guy grew into the blameless person that Jesus saw. So must be careful what you're tossed around with in this era. No son of God is rudderless. No son of God is without order. No son of God is without the fellowship, the koinonia of the brethren. John writes to them in 1 John, I write to you that you may have fellowship with us as our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. 1 John 1. Sonship is fellowship. We're in this together. He's not your Lord and personal Savior. He's not, you don't see that in Scripture. He's our Lord, the son of our, our father. And he's our father and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our. Where do you see that? Where do you get that from? It's not your personal savior. He died for the world. It's not personal. We're in this together. That's why we build each other up, scripture says. But it's this irresponsibility that has stemmed from feeling like, you know what, it's every man for himself. Where? That is new age philosophy. It's not scriptural. We worship together. We pray together. We give together. We minister to each other together. We uphold each other together. We study together. Otherwise, why did they continue daily? In Acts chapter 2. Daily, together. In prayer, in fellowship, in the Lord's Supper, and in, um, in, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. Daily in the temple and from house to house. Everybody stay on your own and just, you know, Holy Spirit can just do it. We have made personal philosophies and personal preferences, philosophia, to become doctrine. And so the church has weakened at the center. Because people think that we can foreclose the church in favor of personal revelation. 
No revelation is personal. God will never reveal to you what is not available to be revealed to everybody else. <laughs> Do you hear what I said? He's not revealing to you what is not available to be revealed to everybody else. There are no individual understandings of the revelation of Jesus. That's where we have a denomination. That's where that cancer called denomination came from. That's where it came from. It came from everybody thinking that they will have their own views as to what scripture says. We start to diverge on those different fronts because we want to understand this thing different. I believe that. And we now split along philosophical in the name of theological lines. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Prayer is corporate. All the examples you saw in the New Testament, you said that they were all corporate. It's corporate. Of course, you pray on your own. You pray on your own only because you are not with the people that you are praying with. Otherwise, it's what we do together. But you need to pray now on your own, you pray. Does that make sense? You need to study now on your own, you study. You need to worship now on your own, you worship. But it's what we do together. No son of God who understands what Jesus did because he birthed the church via the cross as the vehicle for the kingdom. Jesus birthed the church via the cross as the vehicle for the kingdom. The church is not the end. The church is the means to the end. You cannot be in the kingdom and be a renegade and not be part of the church that champions the kingdom. So you see, the problem is even with people that are in the kingdom, but, but they foreclose or disregard the church. Oh, church, oh, I've seen all kinds of things in church. Are you telling us that Jesus now doesn't have a church? Is that possible? Because your former pastor messed one local assembly up, doesn't mean that the church is lost. Do you understand? Even if this local assembly fails, the church of Jesus, it stands. It's not measured by how anybody performs. It's measured by what he performed. What he performed. So prayer is corporate. Can we say that together? It's corporate. And then it is individual. Four more minutes until closing time. Acts chapter 12. We've done good today, haven't we? Acts 12 and 5. Acts 12 and 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, somebody say constant, was offered to God for him by, oh, come on, word and life, by, by, by the church. By the church. Scroll down to verse 12. So when he had considered this, that's Peter, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Look at this. Where many were gathered together. Pray. pray. So you see why when we pray, we're in one accord. Many gathered together, praying. That was the identity of the church. That they were always together in prayer, in fellowship, and in study of the word. In prayer, in fellowship, and in study of the word. Worship falls inside fellowship. Ministry to the saints and to God. In prayer, in fellowship, and in study of the word. That's the hallmark of the, of the New Testament church. That's the hallmark of a Christ-conscious believer. We are, we are the real praying machines. We who have seen. Uh, we whose eyes are open. We are the ones that pray. Because you know how much tremendous power 
is made available. Would you like to rise up on your feet tonight? And for a few minutes, just pray in the spirit. Exercise the authority you have right now. As you pray, you're understanding, you're praying over everything. Those in authority, secular, those in authority in the church, in the kingdom, the saints, leaders, the will of the Father, grace, peace. Safety, deliverance from evil men. Salvation of souls. The revelation of who Christ is. The formation of Christ in your life. The adjustment of every inharmonious circumstance in your life. Let the church pray. Don't be conscious of anybody else. Let the church pray. Let the church pray. Let the church pray. What abiding house? Let the church pray. We enthrone your will, Lord, in our nation, in our city, in our state, in our lives. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Malago so singre dia haya. Lenka supa legre dia no go si pishi. Oh, sito krinde bisha jahalis. Lengro de balakosi pataniende gisto brogodusha. Mande gile kiso pruda kila dia Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the grace to pray. Thank you for the grace to pray. Thank you for the understanding we have about what is done when we pray, about what is available to us in the place of prayer. We place a premium on prayer as a church. We place a premium on prayer 
praying the mind of the Father by the help of the Holy Spirit through the name and the authority that is there in Jesus, Amen. our Lord and Savior. Amen. We thank you, Father, for the adjustment of everything that is out of place in our lives, in the place of prayer. Thank you for the awareness we come into about how tremendous the power is that is available to us. Thank you for what prayer does in us as it tunes us to the frequency of all that is us, every good thing that is ours through Christ Jesus. We take advantage of it in the place of prayer. We appropriate it in the place of prayer. We transact with it in the place of prayer. We reap the benefits thereof in the place of prayer. And we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. 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 This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.